0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is on. Competition is on. Competition
1: is on. Competition is on. Competition is
2: hard to paint with david grubb and it is my pleasure to welcome a first-time guest to the show miss valencia king um based out of dallas she covers anything sporting in that area you can find her uh television you can find her on instagram you can find her just if you're looking for dallas sports look up valencia king right would you say that all right yeah you got me So I'm glad to have you. We kind of connected in a very organic way. And I love having new voices on the show. And I love having people who are fun and have opinions. And that's you. (laughs) Oh,
0: yes. Oh, yes. I I like to have fun. We were talking before we officially started recording. Like, we we both like to have fun. Because I don't want to be a part of anything boring in my life, let alone a conversation. So we got to make it fun.
2: Absolutely. And this is, you know, I, I hate going on the trope of, we're talking about kids games because I don't believe that all these games are invented by adults for adults to make money and kids just happy to play them on the back end, but they are games and entertainment and it should be fun. Ultimately, even though there are very serious issues within, could you quickly just give folks um, who are listening uh, a quick recap of your background and how you came into this?
0: oh absolutely so again i am valencia king and i can be nobody else but me (laughs) i am a journalist by trade i've always had the gift to gab i used to get in trouble for talking in class but honestly if i finish my assignment why can i do what i want to do you know and so right that gift to gab came full force when i found journalism and broadcast journalism to be exact in high school, we had the opportunity to do video announcements on Fridays. And just to just to give everyone a little bit of a gist of who Valencia is. Once I found out that the whole school would have to watch me on Fridays, tell y'all about what's going on at Rollett High, oh, sign me up. <laughs> 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 and so that was my real first taste of broadcast journalism. And from there, it just took off. That's what I studied in college. I have an associate's and bachelor's and the student loans to back it up. And, um, you know, Stern Foundation, and I've just had good parents that have, always let me use my voice and really kind of learning along the way in journalism, I found that that's the true root of it all finding your voice and using it for its purpose. So that's me in a nutshell. I've got some other credits like TV show host Mm -hmm. and news anchor and journalist and sports reporter and all that along the way. But at my pure core, I love to share my story and encourage others to share theirs.
2: Yeah, that's, people like us who get into this are people who never were silent ever in their lives and don't know how to really do that.
0: (laughs)
1: Exactly,
0: exactly. (laughs) Like when people say, do
2: you have a problem giving your, nope, no, I don't have a problem. I'll do that just.
0: (laughs) None at all.
2: (laughs) Okay, so let's get into something really quick because this is, I think the most emergent story um, with the Florida Marlins and their breakout of coronavirus. So you got 12 players, two trainers, more expected to test positive. We're talking about the potential of teams because we've seen this in Kansas City. We've seen this in a couple other places. Teams may not be able to finish the season. If that's the case, baseball already with the 60-game schedule, having to try to double up on some of these games now and replace them, I'm I'm very concerned with baseball – Which also amplifies my concern for football, because if you can't social distance in baseball, I don't know how you're going to do it with basketball, I mean with football.
0: No, you're absolutely right. These are concerns that were there before this began. And so it's not surprising that we're on the verge of a potential outbreak within a team right now. Those safety measures that were quote unquote put in place or not put in place clearly are not effective enough to have maintained or contained any potential outbreak, So these are the conversations that have been being had and those those more pertinent questions of, will what will we do moving forward? If we don't have a team, are we forfeiting this season? Are we gonna call up uh, Dodo and Nene down the street and get them to suit up? Is that even plausible? <laughs> because right about now, I'm like, okay, my cousin, he loves baseball. He, he can suit up for about X team million on the contract. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to have those, those, those conversations like we're doing now because these are people's lives at hand. And you have to think about not only the team, but the team manager, the equipment person, the massage therapist. These are multiple people that the fans don't really see, but there's an array of people behind the scenes that are also impacted.
2: And we see the, you know, you saw Dr. Anthony Fauci say a long time ago, the NBA had the best chance because they put their players in a bubble. baseball has not created a bubble. They try to limit the the geographic area the teams have to travel. The NFL has nothing close to a bubble. And then you go down colleges, high schools, it's impossible to have a bubble for those. It just seems to me, for football, we we really need to be rethinking whether or not we need to do this because 53, 80 players at training camp, 53-man rosters, we're talking about contact. Where people are in proximity. I don't care what shield you put on that mask. Football players are all up on each other constantly. It's about being close in tight areas. I I just don't see how football is going to work.
0: I don't either. And you think about everything that happens on the field and that closeness and proximity. But even off the field, it's a real brotherhood. You're trying to change a dynamic of a culture of a football team. And these guys have been playing since the high So all they know is the brotherhood of football. They don't know any other way. So if you're telling them don't dap each other up, don't hug each other, don't do the run and jump into each other's arms, that's not going to happen at the drop of a dime. These are things that you're asking them to just stop doing. And it's just not plausible. These are not rational options for them. So for the NFL to simply not have anything really in place except singing the National Negro Anthem, (laughs) I mean, we can lift every voice, but if we're not lifting the voices in hand sanitizer, it's just not going to happen.
2: Nope. That's what I say is lift every mask and get sick. That's what I'm calling (laughs) it because folks is going to get sick. And, you know, every time I think about these things, I look at it and I say all the different things. And I've talked to a number of former players and it's, you know, they said you just don't know how often we are cost contaminated, you know, wiping towels, you know, sharing those things, sharing water bottles, share all these things that players do. And we're putting them in dome situations. Right. We are, we're putting them in locker rooms that are going to have to be hospital level clean on a day-to-day basis. Um, training facilities where we're not having these players bubble up in hotels and stay for the remainder of the season. They're, getting able, they're able to go home. You're going to have travel on airplanes. All these things with, like you said, the majority of football coaching staffs are men over 40. And a lot of head coaches are over 50. And into those 60 year old range. So it's like all the perfect recipe for disaster is football.
0: Absolutely. Uh, There's 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 no question about it. I would be shocked if they were able to put something that players actually agreed to and to have a season not only start, but be completed. I, I would be shocked. But then again, 2020 is the year of shock. (laughs) and right about now stranger things have happened but I I, as a fan of football I understand that people want to see it but I'm not willing to risk it for anyone else that's why I'm not in the NBA bubble (laughs) that was (laughs) best within my sports community I was like y'all have fun with that um but yeah it's it's gonna be a shock to see if it even starts and truly unfolds and is completed because you're asking people to put their lives out on the line And people are already doing this. When we live our day-to-day, no matter who you are, you're living your day-to-day life, your life is on the line because this virus is something you can't see. You just, you can do everything right and still catch this virus. So when you're telling them to go ahead and go in with 50 to 80 other people, mm -mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work.
2: One of the things that has bothered me about the conversation around this is that the assumption by a certain segment of the population that there is a rooting interest for us not to have sports in the media. And that bothers me because you and I are directly financially impacted by these things. Uh, But in my mind, like, and as you just said, there are things greater than money here at stake and it's not, I don't think anybody doesn't want sports. I think we do want safety.
0: Absolutely. Um, safety is, is top priority. We can look at um, within the NBA, Carl Anthony Towns lost his mother to COVID. I'm not going to speak for him. I, I've only met him via media to athlete um, professional mm-hmm. level, but I would imagine if he had to not dribble a basketball a day in his life forevermore to have his mom back, that's what he would do. Because safety is the number one priority. People are dying And I don't I don't want to have the conversation when people say, well, people die every day. And mm, we're not talking about that. We're talking about. We're not talking
2: about accidental deaths. We're not talking about, um, you know, because of a lifetime of smoking. We ain't talking about because you ate bad. We're talking because you went out in public. Yeah. Like, like, that's the literal cause is you went out in public. It's not a behavior related (laughs) illness other than I saw people.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the old famous movie quote, I see dead people. Just, I see people. <laughs> Ew, <laughs> it's
2: dangerous. <laughs> that's the danger. And so, yeah, so that, that, it's a false equivalency to even try to bring up, yeah, oh, well, cancer, this many people die of cancer every year. This many people die this every year. Car accidents. All those things are judgments or behavior related. None of those are just, I exist and I am at risk. <laughs>
0: Exactly. It's like, it's, it's, I understand your laugh. Cause I was laughing earlier. It's laughable when people try to implement that argument because it just simply, it's trying to put a circle in the square. It just don't make sense. We learned shapes back when we were gay high. You, you can't do it. You can't do it.
2: No. And, and I think what too, another part of this is, is just this general inconsideration or lack of consideration for athletes as people. And that it's okay for them to assume this risk um, because they are a paid money, at a higher level than most Americans, but it's a risk that none of these other folks would assume on their own or put their children into on their own. Um, And that part bothers me, is just the constant dehumanization of the athlete to them as being viewed as commodity first, entertainment first, person last.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's so many other deep topics that are rooted within this conversation. Mm-hmm. And you and I both know that, you know, to a T as African-Americans in America, wow. <laughs> point period blank. And so to me, I, I just go back to the days in which black people were only seen as entertainment. And that's where it's coming from. Because when you look at the NBA or the NFL, um, those sports are, are dominantly black African-Americans um, in the league. And so when you look at that, oh you're you entertain me, you're a jester, entertain me, entertain me, I wanna see this trick, I wanna see the trick. That's what it comes down to because I don't see you as human. I don't see you as your life having value, I don't see you as anything but a necessity for me to live my life. That that's that's simply it. And it can't be that way. I know I, I see these as false parallels but another another topic that or another piece of the conversation I see people bring, people bring up is when they say um, military you know they, they lay their lives off the lines we must treat them you know as humans first and everything of that nature in case these athletes going into the bubble or even trying to figure out if they can go into their league at all those are still humans first trying to do their job just like somebody in the military trying to do their job
2: right <laughs> and again the expectation is I don't play professional basketball for the risk of death. I don't play professional football. I know the risk of injury, and you know, but I, am, I did not sign up for an increased risk of death right. com- compared to the rest of the American public. And I think that there's also this feeling that we are owed their services to some degree, that if they don't do these things, and we see it specifically football the most is the, it, because of the hierarchy and the way it's built. As if these athletes are, we, they owe us something. And and we've seen it on the collegiate level. I had a great discussion with Daniel Luston, the sports attorney last week about this, about putting the onus on athletes to revive economies, when that is not their job. at all. Especially student athletes.
0: At all. Oh, yeah, student, student athletes, key word, student primary word, student, first word, student. Like, how do we just jump, skip past it to get to the athlete? That is mind-boggling to me. Even before COVID-19, the conversation of student-athletes that was and was not being had was just mind-boggling because the the treatment of student-athletes in an array of sports is just completely uncalled for, it's unnecessary, and it's beyond time for change. And so when you add in COVID-19 and you're saying, you have to play, otherwise nobody can play or our school won't exist or our school will lose money. No, just no. And I understand that student athletes who come from different backgrounds, they are may really need this opportunity to be seen to have advancement in their life. I do understand that. But for them to be made to make a choice is, is, not, is not right.
2: But it's not really a choice because the school can pull your scholarship. The school can treat you differently to make you leave. Mm-hmm. if they want to, and you think about it, if you say, I got to stay home, I can't do this. How, how are you going to be viewed? How are your teammates gonna view you? Because they, they, for whatever reason, decided to take that on. And I think that you take advantage of undereducated parents, you take advantage of undereducated students, you take advantage by selling them this idea of the NFL or playing as a professional in whatever sport it is, when you know good and well that the small portion of those will get to do so. And we also know that if, this, if there were no college football season, the NFL is still gonna find players. They're gonna find that next crop of young players.
0: Absolutely. And they would just, they would create a rule that allows them to have um, athletic or football players that don't need to have these many qualifications. All they would do is just bend and adjust the rules. That's all, that's all. That's also so Scratch, erase, put some white liner over that new rule, new standards. That's all that would happen.
2: This whole thing seems to me is a use of COVID-19 we see it politically, but in the world of sports, we're seeing it as a, as another way to bust up players unions and to push back the financial gains that, that, that these athletes have made over the last 30 years. Um, you know, baseball tried it real hard. Football's doing it with this 35% escrow tax that they want to put on players and put their salaries away. And the NBA, I don't care what anybody says when the players talk about, well, if we didn't come back, they were going to reopen a collective bargaining bargain agreement. The NBA is going to do that anyway. Every time that there's been an opportunity for owners to reopen a collective bargain agreement, they do it because they feel like they can outlast players. They have more money than you and you will cave.
0: Yeah, and, and that just goes back to that goes, that goes many places, actually. <laughs> the, the actual mindset of owner and employee and what I can make you do because I have the power, I have the leverage and you need me and you simply don't have any other options. Where, like where else, the, the mindset of where else are you going to go? What else are you going to do? Your life is not sustained without me. That's why owners and leagues can move in the way that they do. And until players, enough players can either make the stance or create their own to where they don't need or rely on said owners and said leagues, that won't change.
2: The conversation also, um, one of the things that this weekend kind of amplified too, you have the Washington football team after they've abandoned the name that they held for 80 plus years. So they'll go as the Washington football team. And now you have the discussion with Cleveland. You have the discussion um, with other teams and this weekend on social media, a lot of, of people came to me and said, well, why would Braves be offensive? Why would Indians be offensive? And my point to that, and I wanna see how you feel about that is, self-identification is so important and self-determination. Native Americans did not choose for you to use brave. They did not choose for you to use Indian. They did not choose for you to use whatever you think is honoring them um, in those fashions. And if we were really talking about honor, well, why would this country have slaughtered all those people in the first place, marginalized them in the first place? And then you say you're honoring them? They mm-hmm. don't, you don't meet two Indians in the same place at the same time unless you're on in very certain places of this country. And mm-hmm. you're telling me that the name Braves and peop, white folks and black folks wearing headdresses and doing tomahawk chops and pretending to be a stereotype of what you think those people are, I can't get with that. I'm not with people being used as mascots.
0: Mm -hmm. No, you're you're absolutely right. When someone can tell me how many, we'll use the Native Native Americans for this example. When someone can tell me how many Native Americans were in the room when these original decisions were made and we can find out what the ratio was, (laughs) then maybe we can have a different conversation but they can't because no Native American was in the room when these decisions were made. So how can you fight it? If the person that you're saying, well, how can they be offended? They can be offended because they clearly had nothing to do with it. And even if there was one token representative, that one person still does not speak for the whole community. So people have the right to be offended, um, whether it's uh, Native Americans, African Americans, and what have you. If someone says I'm offended by this, you do not control their offense. <laughs> you simply, you simply don't have that ability. You can either say I didn't mean it as offensive, but you still need to own the fact that you offended somebody.
2: Mm-hmm. It seems <laughs> like a very simple concept, but it's it's something that permeates the way we deal with most things, because in our office culture, we're still talking about, let's say if, if you walk by and I'm in the office and I say, Hey, what's up, sweet thing. Well, I'm viewing that as a compliment. You're not taking it that way. Cause you're like, I'm at work. I don't need you hollering at me, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Again, I cannot determine for you how you want to be addressed. And if you say to me immediately, and this is not something that just started as a conversation. These teams have been having these conversations for 50 years, 60 years, 80 years, 100 years. And people have been telling you they don't like it. So it's not like you're unaware. And then to me, this seems like to do it now, there's no, I think the emotions behind it are just as important as doing it. And if you're only doing it to placate a sponsor, then you're still not going to change the way you view things in your organization. You're not going to change the way you attack these things with your power, the power of ownership, the power of your league. You're not going to deal with those things that the only reason you change is because of financial pressure from people again, who are not the people who offend you are offended
0: right. I think what's so incredibly funny but also telling is the easiest thing, and we can use um, the Washington football team for this e- example, the easiest thing for them to do is to find a Native American representative who is um, qualified for what it's worth, because who are they to tell them that someone's qualified to be a Native, Native American? Um, <laughs> but to have someone who is a representative come in and discuss these things with them, and. For, like it's so easy to have a public figure to try to cover up the mess. And the fact that teams across the board aren't even doing this, like that's what like with, when you think about PR and just crisis management, that's the easiest thing. Oh wait, we offended that person, that group of people? Let's go, let's go grab one. Let's go grab one, come on, come on. All right, we're good? Okay, great. That's, that's really the easiest number one thing you could do. And the fact that they're not willing to even do that cop out route shows how stern they are in their decision and their choices to not change.
2: And the, the thing about sports team names to me is they don't really matter. Mm. You know, we went through this whole thing in college sports, St. John's Redmond, they a red storm. I don't care about them either way. You know what I mean? Like the team name didn't, it was important to change it. Right. But it right. didn't. It's still St. John's. If you went to St. John's, you still care about St. John's. Right. You know what I mean? The name Syracuse went from the orange men to the orange. Nobody stopped. The people who love Syracuse still love Syracuse. It didn't change. Marquette went from the Warriors to the Golden Eagles. No one cared. No one cared. You get over it and you move on. And, and most fans typically, as long as the logo looks cool and the colors are tight, I'm good with it. And so I think that this, this whole falsehood of people are really invested in these names is just something because you really don't care. That's the whole thing is you don't care about how other people feel. You just want to retreat to your area of comfort.
0: Right. And it's not even, they can say, like you said, people are really invested in these names. No, they're invested in the representation because they feel like this Native American can be a mascot. And if you, ch- if you tell me that that Native American is a human and they have equal rights as me, ah! No, never, darling, how could you? Like, that's, that's the real problem. Their, their obsession and their belief that this is allowed to be a mascot, dance for me, go walk the lap, run the field, do a trick. And that's, that's really the bottom line. That's really the bottom line. Because if we had Sally and Tom out here in some mascot gear, just running across this field. And Let me name my team in. the
2: Karens. Let me name my team the Karens and what? see how that goes over.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That, that's, that's the real problem. And that's where the, the, the uh, discussion really
2: lies. Because, uh, you know, they've done that false argument of saying, oh, what about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? Had somebody say, What about the New Orleans Saints? What about the New Jersey Devils? And my whole thing was, A, first of all, the Fighting Irish was founded by Irish Catholics. They were in the room. So Definitely. they got to make that decision. Those people were empowered to make that decision. When you talk about angels, devils, saints, all those things, there's a large segment of the population don't believe in that anyway. So those, by their thoughts, those are fictional or, or religious characters that are not, again, who couldn't be offended. Again, there's an angel ain't gonna come out the sky and say, hey, I'm not down with you calling this team. that." That's not going to happen. Whether you believe in it or not, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But these are actual people, yep. human beings who are living among us who we have taken literally out of our society. We don't know anything about them other than the representation we see on teams. That's the, for most people, that's their only exposure. And they think that, well, they're warrior people. All natives were not warrior people. And all natives, part of the reason they had to be warriors is because they were being slaughtered. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> people.
0: that's what we need to talk about that's the conversation <laughs> that is that is the conversation at hand but that's no one wants to have these talks David well no one that wants to remain unaware I should say because the conversations are happening but we need to have them with a more variety of people
2: yes and, and that's I, I love that people will say to you in this thing and we've always been Always been the only, there's plenty of times we've been the only one in the room or had these questions asked to us and they don't come from a genuine place. They come from a place of prove it and prove why you're fit, prove why this is wrong, prove why this hurts. And that is not a place where you're ever going to make progress.
0: No, it it isn't. And that goes back to, I know within the black culture, um, growing up, we are always told you have to be twice as hard or work twice as hard to be twice as good. And that comes from America's deep, dark roots that they don't want to talk about. Um, and so you're right. The, until until those things happen, it's just not going to change. It's just not. You always have to prove yourself worthy.
2: And it spilled over in some very real ways. Um, you saw baseball season start. There were players who kneeled, which again, at this point, I'm done with that. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. The The, the symbol of it, is easy to do it's a it's a to me it's the most bottom bare ass minimum thing that somebody can do and be like i did it okay i'm cool i'm about racial justice
1: right right. but
2: when i watch the w nba and i watch those women walk off the court and i've watched what they have said and what they have done and that league has been incredibly progressive in how A, it has allowed its players to be themselves and B, how far they have allowed them go in comparison to other leagues. Because you won't see NFL players walking off the field during the national anthem. You won't see that. You won't see it in the NBA. It's not going to happen. But the WNBA players, I have to give them more and more respect every week because there's either a player, an organization, or just the actions by those women on and off the court that show that they are about this.
0: Yeah, and and it's something that I'm happy is continuing to happen, because now that we're still you know, in this pandemic mode, more eyes are on them, because there's less of other things to be distracted by. Because this is, like I said, this is not new. They've been doing it. Um, their voices have been out there but now more ears are on their voices and so um, just from the Dallas Wings perspective I know in their um, post game conference they were only speaking of Breonna Taylor and I know it's not the first time but I just again just reinstate how much I appreciate it and it wasn't in a way of like oh yeah we lost but we're not going to talk about it it was really about we are going to continue to have this conversation because change has not occurred at this moment, at this moment that you and I are talking, Brianna Taylor's murderers are still free. That's a problem. And the fact that no swift action and no action at all has been taken, that's a problem. And in, this conversation needs to continue to happen. And just being, like, like you said earlier, I'm based in Dallas. And so we had Atansiana Jefferson, who was also murdered in her home for no reason by police. And when we say, say her name, I just think about all of the women because there was, the, there was a Breonna Taylor before Breonna Taylor and a Tatiana Jefferson. And I'm sure there was one before Tatiana Jefferson, like these things are reoccurring. And the fact that <laughs> there is a law now for the case of Breonna Taylor saying, you can't do the no knock warrant anymore, but we still haven't addressed the original no knock. Okay, all right. Um, I'm, I'm done, but I'm not done because we're gonna continue to have this conversation. But at the moment it's like, I'm done.
2: Yep, and, but on the court, I thought that WNBA had a really good, good weekend. Um, I thought that the play um, was solid. I thought that the presentation was very good. Um, I was not disappointed by Sabrina Ionescu. I know they, Liberty got beat pretty good by Seattle, but watching her, you can tell why people see her as a special player. She has those skills, but the, the veterans who were back, show the stars came to play and and i think that that was really important for the wnba because this has been such a critical this is a critical season for them in my mind but they have done outside of what's going on in atlanta <laughs> they have done a really exceptional job of still trying to promote the, the game, try to promote the players. They've made some mistakes. because I saw Cheryl Swoops was saying she didn't get an orange uh, orange hoodie. you know, <laughs> And she should definitely be getting an orange hoodie. Um, but overall, I think they've done a very solid job in creating a good atmosphere beyond, you know, the stuff that they messed up badly on the housing. They did that poorly. I still don't like that they're playing at IMG Academy, which is a high school. But other than that, I think the the game itself went off really really well
0: they, they all the games definitely did and i'll i'll be the first to admit i was definitely skeptical of how we could have basketball without it being a complete distraction from the movement that we're currently in and i can appreciate that i'm seeing how the two can coexist mm-hmm. because it's one thing that okay i think it can but i don't know but the fact that everyone is doing their their actional actionable items to make sure that the two can coexist well. I can appreciate it. Um so like you said the basketball did not disappoint. And you mentioned everything going on in Atlanta, but Atlanta on the court showed up because they beat my Dallas Wings. Um <laughs> and um it was it was definitely a good game. Even um late in the fourth uh the the Dallas Wings made a made a run, which you know basketball is full of runs, so it's not over till it's done. Um, but Atlanta Dream said what well, run? <laughs> what well, run, honey? we're here and they uh, closed out the game pretty strong. And so wings definitely have some things to improve on, but it, it was good basketball. It was Vegas. Good Vegas
2: looks good. Vegas yeah. looks good.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's pretty much all I got. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Vegas yeah. looks good. I mean, I, I think that Seattle definitely looked good. Sue bird <laughs> looks young. Like mm. the way she played, she looks, she looks light. She looks quick. And people forget how long she's been in the league now. Super, yeah. she, she's, she's still got just great, great ability. Um, Brianna Stewart looked really good, mm-hmm. um, I thought. So um, the game, I think for the women's game, in, in one regard, this is really good um, because you are focusing so much on the play. It, it yeah. is about what's on the court um, during these games. There's no frills, there's no extras. You can really focus on seeing how talented and how far – because I remember the first season of the WNBA back mm-hmm. in, what, 96? Was it 96? Yeah, summer of 96, I think. No, 97, 97. So I'm, I'm showing my age. But, um, yeah, I remember that first season and see how far it's come, the level of talent, the way it's increased. that you Before it was maybe three or four teams, and now it's they're juggernauts. They're teams that you got to literally be scared of because of the level of talent that they have. And I, th- I think the, the league, talent-wise, is in a good place as it's ever been.
0: I, I would I would definitely have to agree. And I think that now that both the WNBA and the NBA are playing right now without fans, fans watching can also see how these WNBA players can handle any NBA team. Um, because that's the conversation that has, has been had. But I think, like I said, more fans will be able to see it. Because um, NBA players, when you talk to them, they'll even say, no, I, I don't want to go against the." A- against no WNBA player, they'll admit that these women ball hard and know the game through and through. So right now I can just appreciate that fans are going to be able to kind of see the type of basketball that's being played in both the WNBA and the NBA and see that it's not far apart.
2: No, comparatively. (laughs) Like, don't get people – yeah, people get twisted and start talking about the – no, we know physically it's different. We know the physicality is different. We know men are bigger, stronger, those things the level of skill is what we're talking about. So don't be the fool sitting in there and be like, oh, she's saying that this woman could take on uh, Anthony Davis in the post. No, that's not what we're saying. Cause there aren't a lot of six 11 women running around with that. But what we're saying is the comparable level of skill. Mm-hmm. Skill. Okay, so that's for the dummies who like to <laughs> pretend that women's basketball is, is still being played in skirts no it's not it's come way past that on the men's side you bring Mm -hmm. up something very interesting because we are two games into the exhibition restart whatever they want to call it before the seeding games (laughs) and my new orleans pelicans team i cover two 2-0 i don't know what that really means at this point i mean you know um dallas mavericks Look okay again. Right, what does that right, really right. mean? I don't know, but I will say this: It looks like Dallas is locked in at seven. It's it's going to be really hard for them to get to six. Um, yeah. but that spot could be really intriguing because two, three, four could all change of those matchups from your your side: the Clippers, the Nuggets or even Oklahoma City or Houston, which lineups do you like best for the Mavericks?
0: I'm saying this in here right now. I don't want to see OKC because Chris Paul got a mission. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody
2: else knows. but That's it's- an angry little man. That's an <laughs> angry little man right now.
0: And I um, back in our um, preseason, of, before the season was started, back in October, I definitely talked about this on Real Talk Sports. But I kind of, I, I kind of saw it, and not that it's like a hot take, but I, I definitely saw a CP3 on a mission because of everything that transpired in Houston and him being swapped out for Russell. Like he's, in my mind, he said, "Oh, that's what y'all want to do." Okay. Okay, let me show you who I really am and he has been showing up and showing out. So, I'll just start there. Out of out of um said OKC, Houston, Denver
2: and the Clips. Clips, yeah. The Clips could fall down to okay. they're only a game and a half up on Denver.
0: Right, right. So, out of those four, I, OKC would be dead last. I don't want to see them. Um <laughs> I would say Clippers would be number 3 as far as difficulty level Mm -hmm. because they also are looking at this opportunity even before corona covid19 and the shutdown clippers were coming from for the number one spot (laughs) that that's simply that's simply what their their vision their tunnel vision was so i wouldn't want to see them um so then it would just be denver i think denver i like the best i think denver i like the best
2: i think that's a good matchup for dallas that's a really good matchup
0: yeah and and it's not to say that the Mavs because the Mavs right now they are a young group um we have that veteranship leadership with uh JJ Barea who's got a championship and knows what it takes to get there um a veteran coach in Rick Carlisle like we have these elements that will help as far as experience even with a young Tim Hardaway who's been through playoffs like we have that kind of playoff experience there Um, but the young guys like Luca and KP who haven't seen playoffs this is going to be totally different so I know it's still quote unquote playoffs, but it's different. So it's new for everybody. But I think that the fact that our team is so deep, Carlisle got, got everybody for everything Maxie
2: Cleaver, <laughs> and, Dwight and Maxie, Powell. I mean, just.
0: And Maxie had to show up just because um, KP recently um, on the Mavs day off. I forgot to get COVID testing, and so yes. he had to stay quarantined for that day before he got his next positive test. And so Maxi, you, you could see him on the replay, had the phone, the hand to the, to the face, like "Call me, I'm up here." And he showed up and showed out. And that's not that's not anything new. I think some Mass fans may have you know just not remembered as swiftly, but Maxi's always been able to step up. Um, so in the event you know KP's not around or you know that second unit, Maxi's there. Um, you have guys that that have that grit to them. Like a Delon Wright, a Dodo, Dorian finney Smith, um, those guys are grinded out guys. Even Antonio Cleveland. Now, AC is a guy, you know, young, may not get that much playing time, but the minutes he's giving, he's going to be out there hooping. <laughs> he may make, he, even if he messes up on uh, defense, he'll be back on offense and vice versa. So I really do like this Mavericks roster, no matter who our matchup is, because they're a young team and they're out to get it. At this point, it, it's kind of like anybody can get it. Say what's up.
2: I guess the, the biggest question for the Mavs is always going to be defensively. Um, so I think that's that's really the concern. Because, they, like you said, offensively, they can do whatever. You have shooters in Seth Curry and Tim Hardaway. And Seth Curry, I hate diminishing him by calling him an X factor because he doesn't play, you know, starters minutes all the time but Seth Curry has been making shots all year. And mm-hmm. certainly um, in watching the games that the, the Mavericks have played against the Pelicans, they have just destroyed the Pelicans. They handed them the worst loss in franchise history back in December. I mean, November.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: it, it always comes down for the Mavericks is rebounding and defense. And I think that, that that's going to, that depth is important. They've got that. The shooting is there. The ha- ball handling is there. You've got a guy, like you said, in Luca who has been in big games ha- uh, can handle himself But I just wonder if that defense is strong enough right now.
0: No, I think that's a valid question. And I think that's what a lot of um, the Dallas fans are called MFFLs. I think that's what a lot of them are wondering right now. But if you listen to Carlisle in his pregame and postgame conferences, he is stressing defense. Um, He's asked about it. He's talked about it. And that's kind of Carlisle's thing, (laughs) if you will. (laughs) And you can even look back at Carlisle's career as a player. You know, of course, he, he had the stroke he could shoot, but he's definitely a defensive mindset. And so I, that is the question, and I think only time will tell, especially when it comes down to those fourth-quarter stretches. Because we can even see, um, was it Rockets and Memphis who just played? And Memphis was doing their thing! You know, they was doing their thing! But, you know, Rockets going to rock it. And when you come down uh, in that late-in-the-game moments, you have guys like the rest and James Harden that just know how to step it up. So with the Mavs, you're going to need those guys who know how to step it up. And what I said earlier, of course, Luka and KP not having playoff experience, they don't have it in the NBA. But we know they got it elsewhere. <laughs> so I think they are beyond ready for the moment. And we already know this whole bubble situation, it's really anybody's grab for this championship. Anybody anybody can get it. So if the masks come out on top, I would not be surprised.
2: No, I think you got to give – in the Western Conference, everybody's got to punch your shot it depend, it It's so heavily dependent on matchups in the West yeah. that if you get the right team on the right day, because there's no home court advantage, you can't, and there are no, you're not going to get, you know, first round was two weeks was taking two weeks. You ain't getting two weeks of first round in this one. So those games being closer up on each other, the lack of travel days, all Ooh. those things that are going to be compressed, It changes the dynamic so much because we have no idea how people are going to physically respond that way. And if you're a lower seed and you steal game one, everything's different now because there is no gaining home court advantage back. It just becomes a series.
0: Yes. You're you're absolutely right. And when you mentioned those, the schedule being different, like not having those two weeks for round one, it's going to come down to which team can make those adjustments faster. Because, you, like you said, you normally do have a day and a half, two days to, okay, let's think about this, let's try this out, let's whoop-de-whoop. Whoop. But no, we got to, as soon as the uh, clock is zero, 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 and y'all done with y'all post-game media, we, we back to the drawing board. <laughs> and it's got to be taken that seriously. And it's not, obviously, it's not just on the players, it's on the coaches, the whole coaching staff too. So I really will be looking at the coaching staff on how they're able to get their team to adjust and make those adjustments swiftly. Um, because yeah, this, this is, this is just going to be completely different. Obviously we haven't been, I always, I've been saying this whole pandemic, I, I haven't been in pandemic world before, so I don't really know what the rules are here, <laughs> but when it comes to basketball, that's really what the mindset's got to be. You can only control what you can control while you're out there on the court. And that's a quote from Tim Hardaway before, um, the scrimmages started. He was asked about that. And he's like, listen, the distractions, where are they? They don't matter. <laughs> right. You only can control what you can control while you are out there on the court. So it's going to be about who stays locked in, who has that mindset to win at all costs.
2: And and something else that's interesting about this is that you can't keep all the film that you had on some of these teams now. Right. Because you take the Lakers and you insert a Deion Waiters and a J.R. Smith. That's very different than watching film with Avery Bradley in it.
1: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you have to watch and tr- get ju- people are going to be trying to figure them out. And then the motivations for teams are so much different. If you're the Lakers, you don't have to win six games during right. these eight. You're trying to stay healthy. You're trying to tweak things and make sure you're good. Losses don't matter as much. I would mm-hmm. say the same for the Clippers. If they go four and four, If Kawhi's healthy, Paul George is healthy, Lou Williams comes back from his quarantine and he's healthy, all these things, they don't really care. But for a team like Houston, for a team like OKC, for a team like those teams that have a chance to move up and improve their position, from a night-to-night basis, what a team's motivation is, is much more dramatic than it was if you still had 20-plus games to go in the regular season.
0: Oh, absolutely. That, that, time, that time crunch and game crunch, it definitely matters. I believe the magic number for the Dallas Mavs is just two wins. And after that, I don't know what Carlisle is going to do. Uh, because Carlisle, one thing I do appreciate about him is that he's not afraid to switch up a lineup. <laughs> he don't care about who you are, how long you've been in this league. No. <laughs> and so I think after the Mavs secure those two wins, hopefully in their first two games, He'll just be playing with some lineups and, you know, trying out some new things, obviously not giving away everything they have in the tuck, but, you know, just seeing what's, what the possibilities are, because I don't see him really playing, you know, Luca and KP heavily after you get those first two wins, you don't want to risk. Any injury nope. at all, you don't want to risk like anything. So I, I can just see, you know, hopefully they get those two wins um, in their first two games and just you know a variety of lineups. So if that gives other teams the opportunity to you know get those wins under their belt, then so be it.
2: Yeah, because that's where the whole thing where people talk about where they made this team's team schedule and that. But none of those things matter because I have no idea who these teams are now. And like you said, from a night-to-night basis, I have no clue who's going to be available. I have no clue who's going to be mentally in the building because some people's heads, are, I don't care what they say, they got to all be pros. Sometimes right. somebody's head, I mean, we're human beings. And, exactly. and those things, those outdoor things, outside of distractions do get inside sometimes. And like you said, if you've wrapped up your seed, If you are locked in, what is my motivation to play to win? Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a coach, I'm not here to get my guys hurt because I only got one chance at this. And there are a lot of coaches who are saying, this is the only time we got a chance to knock off teams that are potentially better than us. Yeah. In this weird circumstance, I want to go for the championship. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen by winning more games during this eight-game play-in.
0: Yeah, I was having a conversation with uh, Dex, who does sports with me. Um, he hosts a podcast called It's Up Podcast. And um, we were just talking about that same conversation of these teams, this might be their only chance. And i just think about the Golden State Warriors. While they're rebuilding, y'all better get these trophies because best believe they're coming back. <laughs> and I think about, you know, just seizing the moment. And, you know, this is like a life lesson as well. Um, you know, you always want to seize the moment in whatever you're doing, but especially as this, this NBA conversation is, you only have one shot. What did him say? Eminem, you only got one shot. <laughs> you this opportunity comes once in a lifetime.
2: If you're in the East, look at the East, though. The East is where I'm like, are we really doing this? <laughs> because the, yeah. Nets, the Nets are locked into the playoffs. Okay. But they don't have a team. <laughs> they don't have a team. And then Sacramento in the West, mm-hmm. everybody on that team either has COVID or got hurt. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Phoenix don't even belong there. They were just there to round out the numbers. The Wizards certainly don't care. You, I've seen them play, and they don't care. They're, they are there because they got to be. They, right. They're doing the Marshawn Lynch. I'm here just so I don't get fined. Right. So the right. dudes are there to collect their checks. Orlando ain't trying to do nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in the East, if it ain't Toronto, Boston, Philly – um or and who am i milwaukee if it ain't those yeah. four i don't know who it could be because if it ain't one of those four then that means the nba is in, in a bad situation if any of those four get knocked out of the first round
0: yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> if you, you got a conference yeah. semis with the yeah. nets are
0: in it, it because because of the teams don't have motivation so if these teams that do have motivation accidentally get knocked out of the first round but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised because if I'm a team that has zero motivation to be here, I might just want to prove a point.
2: Yep. I might just want to prove a point. I want to ruin your day. I just <laughs> right. want to ruin it for you. I had to be here for all this time and I knew I wasn't going to get much out of this. I'm going to ruin your day too by sending you home.
0: Uh, you know what? That is the, I didn't even think about that, but that is a very plausible possibility like that that outcome
2: could happen
0: and boy would it be funny nba twitter would be on 10
2: (laughs) and i mean look i look at it like this the pelicans or the blazers if they got the eighth spot and Mm -hmm. i'm not you know i'm not counting memphis out because i respect memphis um but if the pelicans or the blazers got the eighth spot i legit think that the blazers could take the lakers at take them seven at the very if not win the series because the lakers have no one to guard dame lillard Oh, no, yeah, we've seen oh, what Dame yeah. has done to them this season. Fifty on Kobe night.
0: Come on, come on, somebody listen. Uh, for those listening, you can't see, but I'm tapping my wrist because Dame time <laughs> is real, okay?
2: <laughs> and then they're getting all their bigs back. You get Zach Collins, you get Nur- Nurkic, you have a son Whiteside. So it's yep. not like the Lakers can throw the big bodies at you and say we can dominate you with that because the Blazers got big bodies it's not and. And then you got C.J. McCollum, and you've got Mello, who can give you 20 one night or many nights if he's in the zone.
0: <laughs> and he's looking yeah.
2: good, healthy, nice and healthy looking out of his zone.
0: Right. I think the new nickname is a Skinny mellow or Slim nope. mellow. He got a new nickname every summer. But you're absolutely right. I think um, Dame Lillard and the Trailblazers are a team that will see this as anybody can get it. This is our chance because we know Dame hasn't had a championship yet and we we know he on the grind to get one <laughs> we know he's he's dedicated and committed to portland Trail Blazers for for the moment you know i think i know things can change but at right now that's where he's saying he still wants to be at so why not why 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 not so i could definitely see the blazers but when you think about it the blazers have always kind of had that mindset of anybody can get it we don't care who you are come and and people have to remember i know uh uh portland Dame is in Oregon, but Dame is from the Bay, okay? <laughs> Dame is from Oakland. And if you don't know anything about Oakland, go ahead and hit your Googles, all right? They they, they, they don't come to play.
2: Gary Payton, well, yeah. <laughs> his daddy. Gary Pay's daddy raised up a whole bunch of guards mm-hmm. in Oakland. And, and like you said, they are all angry-type dudes who think that they got overlooked for something. That's what Gary Payton thought he got overlooked ended end up at Oregon State. Dame Lilith mm-hmm. thought he got overlooked. Ended up at uh, Weber State, and these you none know, of these cats mm-hmm. feel like, you know, hey, I got ended up where I belonged, and and now I got respect. They always have a chip on their shoulder, mm-hmm. and
0: absolutely. absolutely. And I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. If that's what you need to go out there and do your thing, then then hold on to that chip tight. But um, yeah, like you said, Dame and the the Trailblazers kid could, could definitely give Lakers a run
2: for their own team. I still think Milwaukee's the best team in the NBA. Um, okay. Okay. But for some reason, people are really getting hype on Philly and because Ben Simmons is now moving to the power forward. Shake Milton does look good, mm-hmm. but I have no faith in the combination of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because I just don't think that the two of them want to fit together. I think they are trying to make the other one help them rather mm-hmm. than them trying to figure out how to balance each other.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say, and I know it's just from a social media standpoint, but um, the Rook, I believe Matisse. Um, mm-hmm. he's, I love but, him. Yeah. He's been doing great on the court and he's also been putting out the vlog since he's been in the bubble. And just from his perspective, they are a tight knit group. You know, they laugh with each other. They joke with each other. They're interactive. And pretty much the whole team is like, you know, made appearances on his vlog thus far. And I know this is only what we're allowed to see, but, to even see that much of them actually liking each other, <laughs> I think when you have a core that is willing to you know be friends with each other and have that brotherhood and show up for each other, that can make all the difference. So whether it works on the courts technically with the X's and O's or not, if you have that camaraderie within your group, that can make a difference.
2: But who's the leader? Who's the guy who in, in the last five minutes, not who takes the shot, okay. but takes control of the huddle and says, this is what we're gonna do. We gotta do this, that, and the other. And to make this work, somebody has to be that person who is a leader at the very least, because it, it seems like Al Horford has been pushed off to the side. And he's the most championship experienced player on that roster, at least at the very, you know, of going deep, some deep playoff runs. And now you got Al Horford and you telling him, hey, you can't play with MB because y'all two don't work together. And now you're a reserve. But, and Al's not a talkative guy in that regard anyway. He's not a seize the, the huddle guy. So who's in charge on that team? You, once Jimmy Butler left, nobody was – that's not Ben Simmons' personality. And Joel B, to me, I've never seen that dude in shape. So I can't trust a dude that I've never seen in shape be the leader of my team.
0: Okay. So I was thinking, and I had to refresh my mind on the roster. Um, I have two people in mind. Kyle O'Quinn. But you just asked you just asked ask okay. who's the leader in the huddle, okay, not okay. the person who's shot. I can see the Kyle Quinn. Um, I know uh, I talked to him when he was on Orlando, uh, by I the-
2: love Kyle actually. I mean and, I love Kyle, but yeah. I-
0: and, and he's always been you know charismatic, um, always great you know with interviews and media and everything of that nature. and I could see him bringing that attitude within his team. My second option, probably my first option, is Mike Scott. Because I think he's one of the few players in the league that is left from that cloth of a Matt Barnes, of a Steven Jackson, when then the sense of who gonna talk back to him? You gonna talk back to him? I'm not gonna talk back to him. <laughs> so in, in in terms of, you know, getting a team together, getting their mind focused in that huddle and making sure everybody is on one accord, I could see those two stepping up and being the voice.
2: Okay. All right, so who do if if you were gambling today, and I wouldn't do it because I'm I would think it's just a terrible time to pick a champion, um, but if you were gambling, who would you say at least is coming out of the west and who's coming out of the east?
0: Ooh, who's coming out mm, okay, okay, all right. Who's coming out of the east? So I'm one of those people that does like Philly as well. Um and I liked Philly even last season. I know they've made they've made some adjustments with the roster, but I did like them last season too. So I'm going to do a wild card and say Philly. Mm-hmm. And for the West, I don't know if it qualifies as a wild card, but I personally would like to see the Mavs come out because, you know, as a reporter, it gives me more content.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so I'm going to be a little selfish and say um, Mavs and, and Philly. I'm going to be selfish and say that. All
2: right. I mean, and right now, I, I ain't got the room to tell you that you <laughs> – I mean I, – I would, I don't, I wouldn't know what to bet. I really would not know what to bet right now because I just, in these preseason games, whatever exhibition games uh, right now, I just don't know what I've been watching. I yeah. have, I can't take anything away because I, you know, I watched two Pelicans games and you know, write the stories, whatever, pay attention. And all I can say is the guys who were starters, they look like they're okay. And the guys who were on the bench are inconsistent like bench guys are. I mean, it's just uh, – I haven't learned anything new. And they played – the Pelicans' first game was against Brooklyn, who had the ghost of the Brooklyn Nets, you know. And then the second night they get Denver, and Denver's starting five centers. Denver starting five centers. I mean, like, bowl, bowl. <laughs> Uh, what is it? Uh, one of the the mini uh, Plumley brothers, uh, Jokic. I mean, they're starting all bigs. Jeremy Grant. It's nothing but bigs. So how do you learn anything about your team playing against these weird lineups and underman groups? I mean, their team's clearly. I mean, clearly, Denver is on the verge of like we may not have enough guys to go. They only ran eight guys out in scrimmage. And yeah. you know Brooklyn ain't got no, enough players to play. They got no guards. Brooklyn literally has no guards except for Karis LeVert.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you're not going to call them the ghost of Brooklyn, okay? That is just not bad. are <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Brooklyn's past. This is Christmas season. David, I'm not going to play with you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is, is it the, the remains? The remains of the Brooklyn Nets? <laughs> what used to lie here was.
0: No, it's, um, you know, I'm not sure what Brooklyn will do, but but like you said, it's going to be a wild ride either way. Um, and what would be, well, as you were talking, I was thinking about this when you're saying that uh, the teams were putting up all these different lineups and having, you know, five guards or, or five bigs. Wouldn't it be crazy if like that was the the floor or the the five guys that were on the floor for like a winning play? <laughs> Because it's so wild right now that that could happen. It's so wild. We're going to
2: see some stuff that's just not going to make sense. I think some guys, we're going to see some some lower tier guys, some second unit guys. Somebody's going to have a crazy game in this. Because lineups will be so strange after the first three or four games because a number of teams will be out of it and a number of teams will have secured their spots. And by the time you get to game four, it's going to be so much different than it is from game one.
0: Absolutely. And when you think about their protocol, just because um, with the Dallas Mavs second scrimmage game, KP was out because he missed the COVID test, like we said earlier. So if you think about once you get down the line further into this and a guy misses the test, that, that just changes everything. And, you know, it sounds, you know, from the outside looking in, it sounds like, whoa, what do you mean if we got to take a test? There's so many things going on in their schedules. You can just see from even uh, JaVale McGee's blog I've been watching and Troy Daniels' blog I've been watching from Inside the Bubble. And, you know, they have practices at night and day and there's just no set schedule for them. So it's obviously easy for them to, you know, have a human mistake and everything of that nature. But if that were to happen further down the line, that changes up the whole dynamic. And all you need is just one team to get over one good time.
2: They they're creatures of habit. And then my question too, and this is one that I think is kind of funny, is okay, let's say we get the game seven the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. The day of LeBron James test positive.
0: We're not gonna find out.
2: Never That's, right. That's the thing. <laughs> we'll never play. He, play. he gonna play. He gonna they play. Will. The league is gonna have like you gonna play. You might have to stay here afterwards, but you gonna play. You know, they they will
0: or they'll say there was a flood and all the courts need to be reserviced. yeah
2: something happened we got to postpone game seven for a few days
0: yeah yeah do you trust
2: leagues to tell i mean baseball ain't got no choice right now (laughs) when when games get serious Mm -hmm. when the money is on the line do you trust leagues to tell you the truth about whether or not players uh, fail tests
0: I don't. <laughs> I, I absolutely do not. When you think about, you know, um, in across, and I won't put this on the NBA, any professional sport, whether it's student athlete or the pros, pros, you know how many cover-ups there have been of, you know, steroid or enhancement uses? These things are already happening. So a uh, COVID test is nothing. No. Or, or they'll call it the flu False game, positive. They'll right? be like,
2: false that? positive, false positive.
0: But David, they'll call it. They'll call it the flu game, David. How about that? <laughs>
2: the pandemic game. <laughs> A cool thing about our division, because we both are both of the teams that we cover in the Southwest division.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We have the potential in this division to have the three best players at their position, respective positions for the next decade. John ja mm-hmm. Morant could very soon become, you know, the best point guard in the NBA. I I love John ja Morant. I was, yeah. My goal last year for the Pelicans was for the Knicks to get the second pick and trade Anthony Davis to the Knicks and, and let the Pelicans get Zion and Ja Morant. That was, at the time, that's what I wanted. I'm very happy with Lonzo Ball, so Pelicans fans do not get on me about that. But at the time, I wanted Ja Morant. So I love Ja. Luca, whether you call him a shooting guard or a small four, whatever people want to put him at, he, he's, he's already in the MVP conversation in his second year. Right. And then you have Zion Williamson with the Pelicans, who I firmly believe is the guy who's going to bring post-play back to the NBA.
0: Mm, Okay, okay.
2: This division had been ruled by San Antonio and Houston for the past 15 to 20 years, San Antonio in particular. But, you know, and you had some pop-ups for Dallas, two finals appearances in that. Um, And then another season where Dallas had the best record in the league and lost in the first round to the Warriors. (laughs) We're going to talk But it's predominantly been Houston, San Antonio. Those teams are getting older. They they are going – I think Houston's window is closing really soon. Yeah. These three teams, Memphis, Dallas, New Orleans, could very well be the three best teams in the Western Conference moving ahead. That's exciting because we just have not had that in – And geographically, I think it also really works well. Memphis and New Orleans, two cities that are very similar. Dallas and New Orleans, two cities that have always had a rivalry because of football with the Mm -hmm. Saints and the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a very exciting time for the Southwest Division.
0: It, it absolutely is. And um, throughout my career covering the NBA, I've covered Memphis in Memphis. And that arena, those fans are on 10 as well. Dedicated, true and through and thorough. So that is a franchise that could easily, you know, welcome in being one of the best teams in the West. And Ja has not disappointed. Even um, uh, Brandon Clark. Um, Looks good. Aaron, yeah, Jaron, they're just a young core group.
2: Dylan Brooks looks good. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they get some more veterans. They could be really good.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I love um, their camaraderie in the, in the locker room uh, from when I've covered them, you know, when they play Dallas or even Houston. Those guys really like each other <laughs> because, David, you've been in this for a while. You know if you go in the locker room and you can tell who don't like who
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm
0: but as of right now those young group of guys really do like each other Um, I remember I interviewed um, about five of them and I was doing you know regular interview about the game but I also asked them my fun question of you know what's on your pregame playlist Mm -hmm. and they all gave me know different answers and then they were commenting when I was asking the other ones to you know the same question everything of that nature so they're just a fun group of guys and I could easily see them you know in that franchise welcoming in being one of the top teams Dallas of course they um, still miss Dirk. It's evident, um, but they are they are As much as Luca gets love, they're still kind of hanging on to Dirk. But I believe maybe after this run or next season, they'll they'll fully embrace Luca to the same level as which they did Dirk, and it's rightfully so because Dirk is Dirk. You know, you just you just not
2: gonna beat that. You don't just step in for a legend. It takes a minute. It takes a minute, and, it, and yeah. I think having uh, Chris Porzingis also helps too because he fills a similar role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's, like, he's like not as steady offensively yet, but is a higher, much higher defensive ceiling than Dirk had. So, I mean, right. you get a lot of those similar types of characteristics out of KP that you did have out of Dirk, that ability to shoot the jumper, extend the floor. Mm-hmm. But at his best, Chris could be an all-defensive player.
0: Absolutely, and the the Mavs fans will appreciate and already are appreciating that KP's just he's just got more style than Dirk, man. He's just a man of the people, man. Yeah, talk to the media. You know, he's pretty cool with the fans and stuff. He's just he's just that guy. He's the unicorn guy.
2: When you find an Eastern European who says I learned about America by watching World Star, that's a different kind of dude. So that's so yeah. KP is a different kind of dude, and I I you know as a a, a Knicks fan um it was hard to watch him go but the Knicks suck so that's what they go through right uh, two of our players one player from your team one player from mine are up for the most improved player uh, award I don't think Luca gets it because um it tends to go to more low profile players who right, or who, who make a bigger jump um Luka certainly jumped from all rookie to all NBA
0: mm-hmm.
2: um and that's fantastic but I think it comes down to me between Brandon Ingram and Bam Adebayo.
0: I was just gonna say Bam Adebayo is definitely my vote, um, just because he's fun to watch, and um, even watching him during All Star this uh, February, which feels like last year, um, <laughs> it was just it was just fun, and it was well deserved. And you know, seeing him and uh, especially Jimmy Butler embrace him as becoming an All Star and seeing all his hard work pay off, it was just it was just pretty amazing to watch and. And Bam Bam is like a guy, like you said, a, um, I don't know if we can still call him less known, um, but he's definitely improved, and it shows. And it shows when, you know, with the minutes he gets on the court and the plays drawn up for him, it just shows that they really do trust him to continue to shine.
2: I, I know it seems biased because I cover Brandon, but statistically speaking, mm-hmm. I think Brandon Ingram transformed his game completely from last year, the last two years three years to what he is now. He wasn't a jump shooter from three Mm -hmm. and he shot almost 40%. You know, to go from a guy who's averaging 14 to 25 um, to put up numbers that put you in the class only with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant at that age. um, And to take on a burden in a new city with a completely different team a new environment coming off the injury that he came off of with the blood clots, not being able to shoot the ball until September. Right. If he said I hadn't shot a ball at all until September, I couldn't get my arms above my head. I didn't want to let me do that. And to come in and from day one, missing Zion Williamson, having the injuries that the team had, Lonzo not really even coming around till December. That Drew Holiday starting as bad as he did to the regular season, going six and twenty-two, but knowing that every night you could count on Brandon for twenty-five,
1: mm-hmm. seven
2: and five, and he was going to shoot a high percentage. He was on the verge of a of a fifty forty ninety until he took a dip at the at at the last part of the regular season. I just I think that his improvement. The reinvention is what really impresses me. That he became everything that people doubted about him while he was with the Lakers. Um, so I think that he has a really good. I think that the the vote is going to be extremely close. I think if the 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 thing that will probably be the separator is that Miami has more wins
0: right right and it's unfortunate that that it does you know play a huge role in that final decision but you're right Brandon definitely needs his props I remember um, NBA Twitter having some fun with the memes of when Zion coming back and it was like uh, Zion just took Brandon's team (laughs) because Brandon was hoping he was balling balling and and that definitely that dynamic shifted once Zion did come into play Um, so yeah maybe people just don't remember but early on like you said especially after not having been able to shoot the ball, he came in a blazing. So, yeah, you you are right. I think it will be close. Um, I don't think there will be a, quote, unquote, wrong pick because both have definitely made improvements. But you're you're not wrong there. Brandon has definitely
2: shown up. Before we get into the fun questions.
0: Okay. um,
2: Last one, who is your MVP, Giannis or LeBron?
0: Um, CP3. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I had him as my dark horse. I tell people all the time that Chris Paul should get a ton of credit because nobody thought that team was even going to make the playoffs.
0: Yeah. CP3 is um, – like, OKC doesn't do not a thing
2: without him. No, they're, they are Sacramento without him. I mean, if yeah. that good. If that good.
0: Yeah. it's It's – and it's no shade to anybody else on OKC because OKC was the first NBA team that allowed me to cover them, not even the Dallas Mavs. So I got love for OKC. Um, <laughs> but yeah, CP3 is definitely my MVP, um, more than deserved, in my opinion. And and he's not done showing us why. And not even that I would put words in his mouth that he's like gunning for MVP or anything, anything of that nature. But he's been showing us who, who I've been who I am and who I will continue to be. He's like, there's, there's, no, there's no fall off. Yeah, I know I had an injury. That comes with the game. But there's no fall off here. I am CP3, and you will remember me. <laughs> um, let, me let me, I know you said the last question. I just have a real quick question mm-hmm. for you, David. What do you think if CP3 comes out on top and gets this championship, will that right the wrongs that the NBA did with him from his trade, non-trade years ago?
2: I don't think nothing, Chris Paul, nothing makes it right. You know, that's the dude who holds, you know, Chris.
1: Yeah.
0: He
2: holds grudges. Now, for him, a championship would be I can hold this up and you can't take this away from me. But that dude is fueled by his grudges.
1: Yeah. You know, in in a
2: very real sense. And I think sometimes that has hurt him because in connecting with teammates. Mm -hmm. But Chris ain't letting nothing go. That dude probably remembers every person who has done something to him. And Chris also got, you know, he got some cheap shots in his past too, do it. But that, he's the ultimate, him and Isaiah Thomas remind me so much of each other from their mindsets and the way that they played. Because I think Chris is that kind of guy, physical, tough, you know, not the speed guy that Isaiah was, but in control always, and is the emotional heartbeat of that team. And so I think Chris is a guy who, who knows, he should have gotten an MVP back in um, 2006. I think it was 2007. He should have been MVP. You know, he knows that he, it wasn't necessarily his fault in L.A. when Blake Griffin don't, decides not to show up for multiple games, when DeAndre Jordan decides not to show up for multiple games. And in right. Houston, when James Harden just basically decides, I'm not participating when you have the ball. I'm going to go stand in the corner. That ain't on Chris. Mm-hmm. They win the Western Conference if Chris is on the floor against the Warriors. They would have beaten him. I have no doubt in my mind that they would yeah. have beaten Golden State that in that series if he's on the floor. Not Harden. And right. I love James Harden is an unstoppable player, but Chris Paul was the difference. He was the one thing they could not account for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing. What he's done for Shea Gilgis Alexander, what he's done for Dennis Schroeder, who people thought was out of control. We knew he could score, but they thought he was out of control. That three-guard lineup, and to have a steady guy if he's healthy in Danilo Gallinari, and to have a banger in Steven Adams, and to have Roberson who can defend, and to have – man, I don't want to play no Oklahoma City. (laughs)
0: That's
2: (laughs) the first question. I don't want to see
0: nobody. I don't (laughs) want to see
2: Nope.
0: You're absolutely right. Man, shout out to Andre Roberson for his, his comeback. I'm so excited to see him ball.
2: Yeah, I hope I, I, I hope he's healthy, and I hope he. hope he got a shot. I hope his jumpers a little bit better. At least be Bruce Bowen out there, bro. At least, <laughs> at least, at least aspire to that level.
0: Right. Okay,
2: so these are ten. I want you to try to go as rapid fire as you can. You know, it's hard. They're gonna be some of them are gonna be hard. Some should be easy. We'll okay. See. All right. Start number one. Who is the most underrated athlete of all time in your mind?
0: underrated athlete of all time in my mind um cdr chris douglas roberts
2: wow chris douglas roberts the most underrated athlete of all time
0: i'm i'm gonna go off of personal standpoint okay. all right. <laughs> for me so I, I would say that and not even for what he does on the court but the style that he he had he was like the second version of alan iverson for changing the game all the kids now with their swag and their pregame drip he did that wearing the Balenciagas and the, and the hair, growing out with the dreads and the colors. He did that.
2: All right. Got you. Um, if you could be a character in any sports movie, who would you pick?
0: Um, I would have to go with the classic Space Jam. And um, L- Lola, right? That's the name, right? you want Lola? Lola
2: Bunny on that? Yeah. 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 Right.
0: yeah. Right. He's just so confident. And I feel like I exude that same confidence, you know? So... Yeah.
2: And <laughs> so, right, ain't, ain't nothing wrong with Lola. Um, do you have an opinion or of something that could potentially get your black card revoked?
0: Get my black card revoked?
2: Oh. You know, like when you say something like, I ain't really into that. I know mine. I'll tell you mine. And then you might understand where, I, you know, feel me. Mine is I hate the color purple. I hate the movie. Can't stand it.
0: Oh, uh, I, I all right. No, I, I understand it. I'm trying to think if I have anything that would get my black card revoked Um, that I just like stand by. Okay, wait. Can we circle back to that one? All right, we we'll
2: give, we'll give you that. We we'll come back.
0: Opinions, but I'm like, I don't know if like my community would disown me for these opinions.
2: Like some, you know what I mean? You know, we're general. I mean? But like to... that one gets me all the time. If I when I bring that up, I ain't into the color purple. Or if I okay. tell people that I have, I can't sit through a Tyler Perry movie. That gets people. That that will get people. I don't
0: know if this will get my black card revoked, but people always look at me funny. My favorite movie is Malibu's Most Wanted. That's my favorite movie. That face right there—that's what everybody <laughs> gives me. And so it's not necessarily—I don't think it qualifies as a black card revoked, but people just like maybe it questions your taste, right? I question your
2: taste. <laughs> that's your favorite. That is movie. my
0: favorite
2: movie. Okay. I just love comedy. That's we're my. Gonna, we're going to leave that out there. You love <laughs> comedy, and that's your favorite movie. Now, see, those two statements are incongruent. You love comedy, <laughs> no, that and that's nice. your favorite movie.
0: it's it's a funny movie all right
2: all right okay all right okay first celebrity crush first celebrity oh
0: the (laughs) u-s-h-e-r-r-a-y-m-o-n-z that that was my first husband he doesn't know that but that was my first husband that was the first album i ever bought um, Brandy was the first cassette I ever bought. She was just like my favorite singer, but Usher was my first husband. So, and well, since I know this is going to come out like ASAP for everyone debating Usher versus Chris Brown right now on Twitter, That's stop the madness! That's not a stop debate. the madness! Usher did it first. Okay, if there was no Usher, there'd be no Chris Brown. Stop the madness. Okay.
2: Plus, Chris Brown will have some trouble performing his songs when he's sixty.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> There's gonna be some difficulty doing yeah. some of those songs when you're sixty. Exactly. but you got some timeless ones you can he can sing confessions till you 80 years old you know what i'm saying you yeah, can do exactly. can you get with it i can still rock that forever mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so exactly. that exactly. you can't really sing these hoes ain't loyal at 60
0: right it just doesn't sound the same because now we just start questioning i mean we were already questioning you but like we're really gonna look at you now at 60 so it's
2: gonna yeah. it's gonna look be- you're gonna be the old man in the club you know what i mean like that's how yeah. people will look at you when you sing that record
0: Exactly, exactly
2: it's not going it ain't gonna work no 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 um, <laughs> best moment as a fan and best moment as a reporter
0: okay best moment as a reporter would be <laughs> someone might think this is like so unorthodox but i'm an orthodox at time. um i really i, got I hadn't
2: trolled. picked that up
0: <laughs> what gave it away <laughs> i got trolled online Um, during the Western Conference Finals, um, when Houston Rockets were playing Golden State, if memory serves me correct, um, you know how on the post game when they broadcasted, they live stream it. I was, um, walking into the room before the broadcast had officially started, and I was caught on camera walking into the room. And so I could be seen by everybody watching, and then later, hours later, I found out that like I was getting trolled and body shamed and color shamed and woman bashed by all these different people on like Twitter and YouTube. And I was like, um, oh, I didn't even zone that <laughs> Um, There were, there were, of course people, you know, saying, you know, oh, she looks good. You know, Amazon queen, glad black women are in there and everything like that. But it was the trolls that kind of like took over it. And the reason why it's my best moment as a reporter is because God works in so mysterious ways. He's just the greatest comedian of all time. Literally two days later, I was on a panel for black women in sports and sports media. And so I was able to share my most recent like troll nation Mm -hmm. with a room full of young aspiring journalists and just kind of share with them, you know, my viewpoint and how I was able to process through that and, you know, learn from it and trying to use it, you know, in a positive, right, a positive way. And so I had another reporter who wrote a whole article on it, you know, and just, you know, about that conversation of black women in media. So it was a what was meant to be quote unquote a bad moment flipped into a good moment. And so that was probably like the best thing just because it was so just on God's timing. Like this happened. Oh, now you're going to go talk to people about it and share your story with young women. And now you're going to be a change maker. Oh, okay. God, thanks. Got it. We wrote it on the schedule on the way.
2: (laughs) All right. So now as a fan.
0: As a fan. Um, As a fan, as a fan, as a fan. The one thing that's coming to mind was being there when Dirk hit 30K um, and just being in the arena was already on fire because he was, you know, making shots and it was like, okay, wait, are they going to give him the ball this play or is everyone just, you know, pushing him the ball? And when it finally went in, it was just like the world was on fire. It was just craziness, crazy, crazy, craziness. Because although I was in Dallas for the championship, I wasn't in media yet. And right. so um I just saw it from the outside looking in, but being there as media, being in the arena, even though fan, but I was, you know, just seeing the different side of it and just kind of building that rapport with Dirk and like wow, like this guy is really legendary, but now he's just like reached another tier of legendary. So
2: Yeah, and that was against us, the Pelicans. That shot was over Kenrich it's Williams, just- I believe. Is that I believe you'll be good,
0: is- you be good- <laughs> <to do> memory. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, hey, I am a journalist. Like I said, I don't, I don't, I tend not to get too caught up because I, you know, covering the team day to day, if you get yeah. too caught up in it, it'll just drive you nuts.
0: Absolutely. The team will
2: make you frustrated more often than they'll make you happy. It's just, but.
0: And you've seen the last few seasons of the Dallas Mavs, it's been rough.
2: The one
0: interview you would love to have uh, Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama um I've been in the same room with her. I've been around her when she was um doing this special series in Austin, when she was on her book tour, but I just haven't been able to get to the interview, but it's it's coming. It's coming um because at first I was around uh, or in the same room as Barack Obama during National Urban League and um in new orleans and so i was like okay next step is michelle and i'm like, okay got in the room Michelle. we're at about 20 25 feet difference all right next step is gonna be the interview
2: <laughs> Yeah, all right yeah that's that's cool i hope you get that one that'll be dope right. um if you could be the ruler of all sports for one day what's one change the first change you would make
0: money baby money <laughs> <laughs> money 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 <laughs> that would definitely be the first change to make the payment across the board more um and equivalent to what players and athletes need um and that would especially be in the g league too um because the the g league even though they have their benefits they can still improve just like you know ollie's can still improve so yeah
2: it would be the money got you um least favorite thing about game day when you're covering a game
0: um, that I don't live close to the arenas <laughs> no listen, the cowboy stadium is an hour away from me, mm-hmm. and the traffic, if you're ever tardy, is not just just don't do it, just stay home
1: I've been and, there, yeah. <laughs>
0: Even um, with the Dallas Mavericks, um, I know people complain about traffic no matter what city you live in, but the traffic just on the highway they're connected to is basura. And so from there, you know, trying to, don't, don't, don't try to do shoot around, go home, come yeah. back to make pregame and try to even catch the pre-side when they're, you know, shooting in the locker room, get some B-roll footage and do your stand-up. Don't, don't try to, you might as well just stay in the arena, hope you pack the sleeping bag and a snack because it's just not going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, the traveling distance for sure oh oh wait can i do can i do 1 and 1.5 1.5 would be and you know this david the amount of time it takes after the game is ended for them to come out to do media the, the fans <laughs> i don't know how many times i've had people oh my gosh i love what you do i want to take me with you <laughs> honey i'm still here at 2 in the morning
2: people oh, no, have
0: such and such we still Nah,
2: nah. Oh, And, and, and when sorry. players try to wait you out by staying in the shower and hoping you'll just leave. And you're like, no, but I have to have your quotes. You scored 30 tonight. I have to talk to you. So, you, you know, I love with when media, when we, when we kind of do this thing where it's like, y'all go over there and we're gonna stay yes. over here. And yes. you get those bites because at least then I can get what? them from the team so I don't miss both questions or I'm gonna get my one question and I can scoot over to exactly. the other side. Exactly. It's, it's game planning up in there.
0: It, it is. And, and I'm sorry. I know you said rapid fire, but I'm just going to add one short story to that because right. Andre Iguodala, he is a vet. Um, love him. Love what he's done to, for this game. He did the, the, the most horrific thing you can do to reporters. So in OKC, it was um, when Gonse was playing OKC, there's a pillar and you can walk from the left uh, the left, and curve around to the right. But it may look like you're walking out because you can also exit without coming back around. And he was supposed to do media, and we're all waiting. And he just walks out, waits a minute, and we're like, he sees. Everybody just stopped. And then he came back around like, got y'all. I was <laughs> like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and it was... It's, you know, it's funny after the moment, but we were literally all like, he sees us and he just walked out and nobody stopped. <sighs> so, so yeah. It was the crazy. other
2: one that's really bad too mm-hmm. is to me is when you're, um, you're waiting for players. And especially when you have a game that out of town reporters come to who do not cover your team on a regular basis, mm-hmm. or it's a national game. And those people crowd you out and they don't really, they're not there to write the kind of story you are. They're there to get their camera shot and to get their bite and move on, but they block you out and you're stuck there trying to get your stuff in and you're trying to get through them, but it's somebody more famous than you are, even though they're not going to write the the story for your fan base. Mm
0: -hmm. I
2: hate that. That, That's one of my, that's one of my big ones too. I can't stand
0: it. It it is. It is. And that's, that's a, that's a whole separate we can do a whole separate podcast. Getting big
2: timed is a yeah, that's a whole story on getting big.
0: Realize. We covered the NBA but we got a box out too. <laughs> and I'm 6'3"
2: 245 so try to get around me if you won't.
0: Right. <laughs> in my in my in my stiletto heels, I might have accidentally stepped on a t- on a foot or two. Get out my oh, way.
2: well I, oh, I have had to look down on a couple of short dudes and be like, "Really? No." Behind cuz I was here. You know, and I don't give it up because I'm the tallest. You know, they'll be like, well, you're taller. Can you move back? Nope. I can't. <laughs> I, will hold your, I will hold your recorder for you with my long arms. But you ain't getting around. Especially when they act like they don't see you. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm
0: dead. I'm uh, dead. I'm dead, yeah, dead.
2: This rant could go on for a minute. All right, I got you. This is the, uh, the last one. What team broke your heart the hardest as a fan? Wow. What
0: team broke my heart the Dallas Mavericks, man. They won the championship team. man. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and it wasn't – is that my right answer? That's a true answer, but I'm trying to think if that's the right answer. That's, that's one answer because it just didn't make any daggone sense. It still don't make no sense. Make it make sense, David. Make it make sense. Um, the second answer would probably be Golden State because um, I always tell people I was a Golden State fan back when okay before y'all knew what the color golden was and when they um obviously they probably made the right choice but back when Stephen curry and monte ellis were still you know battling for whose team it was
2: and they let monte go
0: like that man that's a mississippi missile man man that's my guy So, so that one did hurt, but, but I appreciated the time Monte had in Dallas. Do um, you know, just getting to know, to know him as a player and he's still in Dallas, you know, he does um, camps and he's still, you know, involved in the community now. So um, I can just appreciate that, but that one did hurt. <laughs> yeah. And
2: I've, I've got to be around Monte's high school coach, uh, Thomas Billups a lot. Um, Cause I used to work with um, the Gulf Coast athletic conference and he coaches at Tougaloo in Mississippi. And yeah, he, he's a, he, he, he raves about how good Monte was, obviously, in high school. He's one of the last guys to make that jump before. Yeah. Um, but mine Uh-oh. is what the Knicks did to Stephon Marbury. Wow. It's what, watching the kid from Coney Island broke my heart a second time because of just all this stuff. It just – I've always been a Stefan stand in mm-hmm. that regard. And there are not players, many players that I stand for because mm-hmm. I just don't want to be that guy. But Stefan is just one of those people that in my life, when I look at his career and I say, y'all just don't understand how good he was. Right. Just, you have no idea that Steph was really, I mean, all the things physically, skill-wise, like, what would you not want out of that dude? He had everything, handles, hops. I mean, just everything. And he just got... It just yeah. got done dirty so often. It just kept happening. Some of them not by his own fault. Some of them by his own fault. But the Knicks really, the Knicks tried to kill him. They tried to kill his career. And that to me was unconscionable, is that you tried to ruin his reputation. You tried to make that, embarrass him, like what Mike D'Antoni did. And then you go have that man buy tickets to a Knicks game <laughs> while he's playing for their team. I mean, like, it was just cold at the end. And, but that's James Dolan, who to me is the worst owner in, in the NBA, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, you said it. It's it's one of those things I always quote my best friend, Trina May. She always says, make it make sense, Valencia, make it make sense. It and just don't make sense.
2: With the Knicks. You can't it be with It just don't make sense. Them. No, you no, can't. This has been a blast. I am looking forward to the next time we talk, which is coming up very soon. I'm going to let you tell people about that. But <laughs> this, this has been, you no, know, for our first real long conversation, man, this has been fantastic. I can't wait to do it again.
0: Oh, right. absolutely.
2: Our energies are, are very compatible.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so tell folks again how they can follow you and what you got coming up uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the short term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So again, I am Valencia King, and that's where you can find me and follow me across all social media sites at I am Valencia King. Porque I can only be me, all right? I can't be nobody else. They're already taken. Um, And so what I have been doing, um, like I said earlier, I'm a journalist by trade, and so I have a television show that airs on Uplift TV called About and Out with Valencia King, where I take my conversation and interviews in the community, in the entertainment world, in the cooking world, um, all of those things, and I place them into one show, and so that's airing on Uplift TV right now. And um, also I have a show called The Dialogue, which is basically like a millennial conversation is what it began as, but it's definitely branched out more. And I call it The Dialogue because obviously we already established I have the gift of gab, David. <laughs> but in those conversations, it's really about coming up with solutions that are um, actionable and not just you know sitting around talking about problems. And David is actually going to be our next guest on The Dialogue, which you all can watch via Instagram Live because social distancing is still a thing. And it airs on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time via Instagram Live. And we have had an amazing run this far. Um, I'll just do a quick rundown, David. We had um, assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, Daryl Armstrong on. That's not that one. Yeah, we had current uh, 76ers player Glenn Robinson, the on. We've had um, Dallas Mavericks on Antonius Cleveland. Uh, NBA veteran Anthony Morrow, uh, we had my own dad. So if you want to know if my dad thinks I'm crazy too, go ahead and watch that. <laughs> and we've had some um, some local people on there as well. And even AJ Jones who got to shout shout him out because he's the reason that we're connecting right yeah. now. I'm so grateful for that. And yeah, again, it's the dialogue on my Instagram live, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. David will be our next guest, excited about that one. And if you guys have any questions about you know journalism, um, I do mentor young journalists as well. I just, you know, have those open conversations because I'm an open book. I have not, I have, my mom says she's an open book about 98% of the time. I'll give you 99% of the time. I'm an open book. The 1%, you really don't need to know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited for, you know, what's underway because even though sports are at a distance, you know, we still have to have these conversations and keep them ongoing and that's what I'm about. So if anyone is looking for a host, a speaker, I do youth workshops as well. And um, all, these, all these words that I have in my brain are just ready to be poured out into a great audience. So hit me up at valenciaking.com if you need me.
2: <laughs> and they shall. Thank you again so much. Um, and I look forward to talking to you really soon. And until the next time, this has been Hard to the Paint. I am David Grubb. Remember, at DM Grubb on Twitter, on uh, Instagram, and you can also check the show at HITP with D Grub and my website HITP with DG dot com my store is there too and I got dope merch go get it it supports the show supports independent media and make sure you do that support independent media we need it now more than ever so until the next time this has been hard to paint